podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello again. You didn't seem to hate this one last week, so we're going to do another version of the podcast that is not a podcast podcast, which is called that because I've basically just hit record on a chat with one of my mates uh, who also happens to work in motorsport, and there's really nothing professional about it at all. Uh, Now, if you listened last week, you might remember that Nate Saunders from ESPN was on, and we both had a beer each while we were talking, so I've made it mandatory that everyone has to have a drink with them on the show. It doesn't have to be alcoholic, uh, as not everyone has... Uh, alcoholic drinks that they like but it might be 7 a.m where you are as well so I would not recommend it uh, but the person joining me today has taken this really really seriously now if by the magic of technology there was a sound there it was the sound of me having to make a whiskey sour because following instructions from Formula One's senior writer editor, Lawrence Barreto, I have made myself a very complex drink. And he has joined me now on the line on Zoom, so I can see him. You lot can't. And he's just seen the whiskey sour I've made for the first time, and he does not look impressed. You've actually done it, Meadows. This is incredible. <laughs> um, it looks like you've made yourself a half measure, though. It's, it's a big glass. Oh, right. maybe I've just done double. Well, yours is big. No, yeah, yours is big. <laughs> This way, so I'm, the colour, the colour. I'm, I'm concerned about the colour. Did, did you not put enough whiskey in? Oh, there's a lot of whiskey in there. <laughs> oh, good effort, mate. I'm, I'm pleased. I'm pleased that you've gone. I took it quite seriously when I heard that Nate had beer. I was like, well, I can't bring beer onto the show, so I no, thought exactly. I'd step it up. Well, so I figured we'd uh, we'd just make drinks part of the show because. Essentially, this is going to be like you're in the pub with your mates having a chat and um, someone might be designated driver, but uh, it's Friday night and I'm not designated driver. So I'm about to taste this whiskey sour for the first time, uh, which I'm glad that this isn't a video podcast because I don't want anyone seeing my face when I've tried it. Um, but you know, this will, I'm sure this will work really well over audio. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Good, interesting. Mm, not not particularly very oh, yeah. sweet did you, um, did you follow the recipe yeah i don't think the i don't think the sugar syrup worked very well ah okay anyway okay. i bet everyone is absolutely enthralled with this we will come Sorry. back on to whiskey sours later because i've got to drink that through the whole show uh but so far um we haven't talked about formula one at all and I'm going to get straight down to the questions that have come in because the whole point of this as well is we talk about what people want us to talk about, not always what we want to talk about. So the main reason anyone is listening is because of the first request, which comes in from Karun Chandok. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I've also, the same with Nate, uh, I have not told Lawrence anything that I was going to ask him. And he's just put his head in his hands because he knows what's coming now. Uh, Karun says, the world needs to hear the full story about you being patient zero of the paddock, Lawrence. Now, how have you come to pick up this unfortunate nickname? And for, we will do a disclaimer. You are completely healthy and I'm pretty certain you've, you've not had COVID-19, but um, how have you got this nickname? I'm pretty certain I haven't had COVID-19, yes. Uh, so when you mentioned Corinne, this is pretty much the only thing he mentions to me when he speaks to me these days. He just wants to hear about me being patient zero. Um, so it started uh, with a flight uh, to Bologna. I think you were, you were on the same flight. We were going to the Ferrari launch. Medis. I was indeed. I know this story, and... but not everyone else does. So. <laughs> and I, uh, 
it was an early morning flight and I'm not very good with early morning. So I fell asleep on the plane. Now bear in mind back when the Ferrari launch was on, it was cold. So I was wearing my winter coat and a scarf and I'd fallen asleep on the plane, got quite hot because they'd obviously turned the heating up on the plane as well. Walked off the plane and they had these guys in um, hazmat suits, like orange hazmat suits. And I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. I was pretty much the last one to go through. Everyone else did a temperature check and went through. And then I went up to the temperature check and they were like, oh no, no. And it kept doing the beep. You know, the beep, you never want to hear beep. that <laughs> yes. beep. And I was like, oh, okay, that's right. And then I touched my head and I was like, oh yeah, I do feel a bit hot. I'd just been sat in my winter coat. So I was trying to explain this to them. They didn't speak any English. So then I got Google Translate out and they didn't really want to look at Google Translate. So then the other two people who were there came and slapped me in the head and uh, all of the readings came up that I was had a high temperature. So I went off, the short version is I went off and sat in a room for a couple of hours and they took my temperature every 15 minutes uh, and eventually my temperature dropped to a point because obviously I took my coat off. Uh, my temperature dropped to a point where um, they were happy for me to go. And this was very early in the whole global situation. And since then, it has only escalated. But so essentially, that means everyone is now blaming you, correct? Um, yeah. So I don't think I'd even left the airport um, before at least 10 people would text me and say, are you patient zero? <clears throat> Um, and then a lot of my friends, and I count Chris as one of my friends, renamed me Patient Zero in their phone. Um, I can confirm it, that is still the name for Lawrence <laughs> in my phone. Uh, but that's not how I introduced you. I gave you your full title first before telling everyone else this nickname. Oh, charming. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then when I walked into, when I went to the car, when we got to the car launch, people were just asking me, not if I was okay, but if I was indeed Patient Zero. And then that kind of continued on to when we got to testing and we went to Australia um, as obviously the, the, the uh, situation uh, changed over a number of days. And now I'm just now known as patient zero. Yeah. Great. So, I mean, it's, it's what we do. We make light of these situations. So um, no disrespect to anybody affected by the whole pandemic, but uh, I'm going to stick with the name patient zero in my phone for Lawrence. Um, but we, we, we should, move on to some more serious topics to be fair people are going to want to know about formula one so the next question is in from uh, john noble um who works for motorsport and autosport and he wants to know uh which item in the shoe shop most reminds you me of you Lazar. and he sent me a picture that involves some very big bright yellow shoes now i know that it is the big bright yellow shoes that most remind me because you own a pair of those along with many others and i think on twitter you said for the show special shoes might have to come out have they come out um, so Today, when we're recording this podcast, it's about 24 degrees outside. So I thought that I probably wouldn't wear them, but I have got them here to show you, Midlands, to, oh, uh, wow. to, prove, to prove that there are new spec uh, yellow shoes. Um, I've, I think I've upped my game uh, with these. What do you think? Definitely. I've just taken a screenshot because <laughs> I'm going to need to at least somehow allow people to see these they are bright very bright luminous yellow boots essentially um and it's fair to say mr bretta that you have a penchant for these uh, outlandish shoes where's this come from um so firstly because this is question two and i want to apologize for anyone who thought that we'd be talking about formula one and we're still not talking about formula <laughs> one <laughs> but to answer your question uh, <laughs> I bought a, yellow, a pair of yellow shoes um, just because I like the colour yellow and um, 
and so I wore them into the paddock one day and I didn't really think about uh, that they would cause quite the scene that they have done and now I've just become known as the person who wears yellow shoes um, and they, they're generally a talking point it's quite funny um, they're very comfortable um, I like them so and they're different and I, as you will know Meadows um, or anyone who knows me I'm a little bit different so <laughs> Can confirm. Uh, are they your favourite shoes? You have red ones, I think. You have black ones that are similar. So I've got a couple. I've got my favourite ones are probably the yellow ones, but my second favourite are like red velvet shoes, which are quite good with a tux because I've got a red velvet jacket, tux jacket. So they work quite well with that. So that's probably my second favourite, obviously. And they they work quite well in like Monaco or in Abu Dhabi. Well, I'll tell you, if anyone's still listening, uh, which is unlikely but if they are then I can probably, at some stage we'll do a video version where Lawrence will wear his tux and special red velvet shoes but <laughs> head in hands again uh should confirm that this is a formula one podcast it's not a podcast podcast sort of so we do have a formula one question that's coming um from twitter from now twitter handles right. always confuse me it's either Ms. Lyson or M. Slyson. Um, or but uh, anyway <laughs> at just i think it's just rocks is the uh, the twitter that um, name that's that goes with the handle anyway question which is a great one for you because you okay. work for formula one so i'm going to read this out word for word which will make you delighted um please discuss ross braun's apparent sudden mental collapse brackets translation please discuss possibility of doing 18 to 19 races still this season what effect will it have on trench workers garage comms transport media etc who would not be able to travel home between the races so uh, you are not an official spokesperson for formula one we'll just say that now seeing as we've right. spoken about shoes <laughs> hours and um, patient zero for the first 10 15 minutes of this podcast but uh, do you think that that's going to be a, a certainly a doable target 18 to 19 races do you still see that that's got potential well i think that since the new owners came into the sport they've always been ambitious and i think it is an ambitious target that they've set um i think to get 19 in will be challenging but if we can do ross talks about doing three weekends on one weekend off um now chris you've done the triple header like i did a couple of years ago and it's it's quite tough and that was just in europe and we're talking about some triple headers that are going to be uh fly away so it's going to be challenging um but i think that for the good of the sport we need to try and give it a go if that's what they want to do at the end of the day we don't know when we're going to be able to start racing so we may as well plan for like best case scenario and hope that we can get as many as we can in and I think, I think it'll be a lot of fun to cover. I think, the, you know, it's going to be new for everybody. I think Formula One, so we've been in a routine for so many years that mixing things up actually isn't such a bad thing. So I would quite, whatever we end up doing, I'm just quite looking forward to getting going again. Yeah, I totally agree. It's been um, different even now, just working from home a lot. And obviously, anyway, we all get to interact with this through Zoom or Skype or WhatsApp or house party or any of the other above sorry if i haven't plugged your app which is great for me because it means i don't actually have to put up with seeing any of you lot too much but realistically it's, it's a lot of fun doing the job we do and you do miss it pretty quickly and we've had a few dinners here um where you just kind of reminisce on holidays and trips abroad and times you miss flights and just little things that you're suddenly like well when am i gonna get to get to do that again I mean, in a weird way, I can't wait to miss a flight again. Um, but <laughs> oh, it, don't worry, it, you will do that at some point. Just... Yeah, I mean, I can, um, as another aside, because again, we're not going to talk Formula 1 too much. Um, 
I am always late for things. I do have uh, a reputation for being late for things. And I was even late for this podcast that I've scheduled that's not a podcast. And I think Lawrence had to message me about five minutes after the time I said we'd start recording uh, and say he was ready whenever I was. But that's because I was making the whiskey sour for you, which I can tell Sorry. you not yes. good. So if you thought that the podcast started badly, it's only going downhill more than <laughs> that I have. You also have yeah. your own hashtag, waiting for Meadows. I, I do. Mean, I don't have many friends who've got their own hashtags. That's quite cool. Yeah, uh, I, I'm afraid I do. But someone's got to have one. It's, it does annoy me, I won't lie, because, I mean, sometimes. Sometimes it's completely justified. But the problem is, if you uh, get yourself that reputation, then at every opportunity, people are going to use it against you. And uh, I'm fully deserving of it most of the time. But when I'm not feeling so deserving of it, uh, it, it winds me up. So uh, there, for every, everyone or anyone listening, they know how to push my buttons now. But it'll be fine. In terms of effect on people, yeah, as you say, the, the mm-hmm. weather would be tough, that sort of uh, event. Uh, as I think Ross mentioned, two-day weekend in China looking likely. Uh, and I reckon yeah. we'd probably have it more than just there, wouldn't we? If, if, if one race was going to have a two-day yeah. weekend, surely more than one would. I would have thought we'd go to two or three or maybe even four two-day weekends. And it's quite good for planning for in future years because I think the idea is that we will do shorter weekends as a whole anyway. So... Race weekends are Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I know often you just tune in and just watch the Saturday and Sunday, but they're four-day weekends. So even to push it from three down to two is quite challenging. But, you know, we've got to do anything we can to get the season back up and running. And I've talked to quite a few people. Um, I know you were talking about we use Zoom and house party and stuff. And I've talked a lot about people who are either on furlough and working for more and aren't working. And uh, they just want to get back racing. And I think because of that, they're willing to maybe do this tougher schedule uh, just to get going again and it's not going to be great but it's not going to be forever so i think we're going to have to find a way to make it work yeah yeah totally right and if we can then it will help the business continue working it'll help the teams continue working and get everyone else uh, back earning hopefully their full wage because you say not everyone is at the moment so uh, it's a difficult situation but hopefully we'll get somewhere with it and um yeah the, the triple header that we had in europe was was tough but what helped there i think was having uh, Silverstone is one of the three because that's close to the base for a lot of teams so if we're going to have a lot of triple headers whenever we get a season if we get a season which hopefully we will I think it's all about which races are actually involved in those triple headers you can make some very difficult if if you're hopping around massive constant changes but if you're uh, much much more closely located then uh, I think it is doable and hopefully wouldn't be too stressful uh you might have been able to tell i was waffling now because there was something i wanted to pick you up on that you said but it was you said it's a four-day weekend and to some listeners they won't be aware of what a thursday is like um because mm-hmm. thursdays are not particularly broadcast for any reason because there's no track action f1 cars aren't going around and around uh not everyone even tunes in on a friday for practice so just explain to the listener left what uh, a thursday is like from your perspective so thursdays probably my favorite day of the whole weekend and that might sound strange but um it's a day where we get to you get to get into the paddock the teams the drivers the mechanics the engineers are all there and it's media day effectively so we get to talk to everyone and it's a really good chance for us to find out what's been happening in the gap in between races uh, to find out what their hopes are and expectations for the weekend generally just catch up with people that's a good chance to maybe find some information out that you want to be wanting to know just get um find out what people are hoping for and i think that's what um i like about thursdays is it's that social aspect um a chance to when racing isn't putting pressure on everybody just some downtimes and an opportunity to kind of see what see where we're at i think 
Yeah, um, I'm actually looking down at my phone as you talk because one of the things that we also get, not on Thursday so much, we get them Friday, Saturday, Sunday, is a lot of press releases from teams. And one has come in while we're talking uh, mm-hmm. from Renault, which uh, you nod because you know everything because you work for Formula One, so you know what's going <laughs> on. Um, Renault saying that they are going to retrospectively apply for the job retention scheme set up by the British government. So that means they are uh, furloughing some staff. And they say it's actually... Uh, the vast majority of their stuff at their Enstone factory will be furloughed. So it's a lot of people now within Formula One who are um, basically not working. And they're still, the whole point of this, because this is something I've actually had on Twitter a few times, uh, is, you know, what what is furlough? We've got a lot of um, listeners or readers of stuff uh, based in the US. And there's different schemes in different countries. Now, in the UK, um, furloughing is all about a job retention scheme set up by the UK government that is to allow uh, companies say basically to temporarily lay off their staff uh, up to either 80% of their salary or two and a half thousand pounds a month will be paid by the government, whichever amount is lower, um, will be paid by the UK government as long as those companies keep those jobs open for those staff to return to them in future. So essentially, it's like trying to freeze your company, isn't it? And keep everyone waiting to come back to work. It's, it's putting them on an indefinite holiday, um, except you can't really have a holiday right now, as good as the weather is. Uh, so you mentioned that Formula One as well, that there's, there's some people on furlough there. What, what's it been like working within a big company within Formula One? Uh, you know, for you, the, the actual owner company itself. Uh, what, what's it been like? in these situations and these circumstances when some people have been furloughed and some people are maybe working less or, or taking pay cuts, you know, how's the situation been? I think it's the uncertainty that's been the, the diff- most difficult thing to deal with because a, we don't know how long this is going to go on for. Um, when we will, when F1 as a company, we were waiting to find out if we would be furloughed um, or any staff would be furloughed. Uh, it's that waiting and it's wondering whether it's going to be me. And then you start thinking, well, have I got enough money to pay the mortgage and the bills and all of those kind of things. Um, so we found we as a company, Formula One found out last week. Um, it's about 50% of the staff. Um, it's focused more on the members who, whose job um, is mainly focused around race weekends. So it might be, uh, and you know, putting the event together, the logistics, uh, hospitality, that kind of thing, and, and their role is very specific to the race weekends. There are other roles within the company, such as mine, which is producing content. So I'm producing content for the website. Uh, we've got video arm, social media arm, and so that kind of content and that work um, flow continues through this gap. If anything, we're trying to ramp it up just so that you know, without any races, we've ideally got something to to give the fans in in the meantime. So. I'm fortunate that I'm not one of those um, people who've been put on furlough and am still working. Um, and it's, it's just a difficult time, really, because we don't know at this, this point how long they're going to be on furlough for, whether we will eventually be put on furlough. It's just it's just the uncertainty, I think. Yeah, it must be difficult. We've had, um, I put a post up just before we started this on Instagram asking for any further questions. And a comment came in from a guy called Adam Salem 93, who said, please, no coronavirus content. Um, but unfortunately, you can't get away from it. It's, it is the world as we live in right now, but it has such a big impact everywhere, like you say. And, and there's a lot of guesswork going on at the moment, I, I feel, because we're talking about the calendar and what we might be able to do, when we might be able to start, how late the season could start. But also the teams are trying to make changes or trying to agree on changes to the sport overall, where we don't have clarity on sort of when we're going to come out of this. So 
what do you make of goings on over the past week? Because I've seen team bosses have been getting a little bit more punchy in terms of coming out and speaking to the media and giving their opinions and their views. Mattia Bonotto was chatting to Sky and saying, you know, don't forget the big teams. We have bigger costs because we supply more. So we should have a higher budget cap than the smaller teams. You've got Zach Brown saying, you know, these bigger teams are playing with fire and certain teams could go to the wall. Christian Horner saying we should definitely push the regulations back till 2023. That didn't go through. It's starting to feel a bit more like Formula One again, at least, in that everyone's trying to protect their corner. Is it How tricky is it really right now for anyone to agree on, on the way forward? So right up until that meeting last Monday, where they all got together on a conference call, um, there, there was a certain unity about it, something very unformula one. Everyone was kind of on the same page and then they had this meeting. And I think it's more down to the fact that you obviously, you make concessions up until a point because of this global crisis, but there's a certain point in which you'll, you'll, not, you'll be refused to go beyond. And I think we've reached that point now. And, and this uh, subject such as the budget cap or the cost cap, and this is something that is really important to teams like Ferrari, Red Bull and Mercedes, uh, whose budgets are, are going to be affected you know it's it's slightly easier for the smaller teams not to worry because the budget cap is almost certainly going to be above their budget anyway so it doesn't directly affect them um Matteo Bonotto's comments about you know let's not get emotional I think I think what he was trying to say there is yes we've got a crisis and we need to deal with it but let's not be too rash and maybe let's not take advantage of the situation and make decisions which he feels don't benefit his team or at least don't harm his team in, an, in a far negative way someone's going to have to make concessions but everyone should really have to be making concessions and they just want to make sure that they're not the ones who are going to lose out too big because they feel that they've got a massive importance to Formula One and you would say that you know teams like Ferrari, Mercedes and Red Bull are important um, but it is going to get tasty I think because we're at this point now where they're just not seeming to want to move on that figure so I think we're kind of potentially in and around this 150 million dollar mark for the budget cap and there's a desire to go much lower because a lot of the teams are around, the smaller teams are around the $100 million mark. Um, but I just don't know, I, don't, I can't see what's going to make the big teams budge. I just can't see it. So I'm not surprised that they're coming out and being punchy because they're trying to stand up for their teams, their people, their employees. Yeah, and that's the thing we've got to remember. I mean, it's so easy to criticise uh, a team that seems to be protecting its position in terms of yeah a Ferrari or a Mercedes or a Red Bull saying we don't want to go lower. I mean, it seems that Mercedes are willing to go a bit lower, but it, at the same time, until something's agreed upon, you know, words are words, and we're getting that from all teams at the moment. Um, they're all going to have what is their preferred position, but it you know th- there are real jobs at stake here. Like you say, if some of the big teams have to downsize, the whole point is right now is we're trying to protect the sport uh, and the teams from what's going on globally, so that people have jobs to come back to afterwards but then if you overreact to an extent and cut it too far down half those jobs are getting lost anyway because you can't afford to keep them on under the budget cap so you do get that it's a bit of a balancing act and I think Formula One has actually worked very well from from my perspective looking from the outside uh, up to probably the last week when everyone started getting a bit punchier I think the sports worked very well at uh, reacting quickly and moving quickly and, and making decisions and pushing them through if, if we look at the delayed regulations and um, even just the way the race calendar is being cut in quite an orderly manner but with good warning and extending the shutdown now we've got a much longer shutdown of 35 days all these things are helping significantly in terms of some clarity for the teams even for the short term uh, in terms of what they need to be spending and working on so I, I've been impressed with that um, but 
as you say, it gets very complex. And realistically, if teams can survive, you could say capping the budget $150 million is going to be much better than we're at right now because those smaller teams are still going to be closer in terms of the budget they have to the bigger teams. So that's something not to forget that while everyone's looking for their ideal scenario and, and trying to protect their own thing, eventually whatever comes out of this as long as something does come out of this as long as they do agree on a figure and it doesn't all blow up and and certain people throw their toys out the pram then we're going to see a better situation once the world hopefully comes through everything that's kicking off outside and i'm not going to use the word because um the instagram post said don't talk about it so um yeah I've, i've actually been fairly impressed with the way that that's kind of gone um and, and keeping with the Formula 1 topic, uh, no, this isn't Formula 1 topic at all. Curveball coming in um, from Peter Habit <laughs> that says, do brioche and Swiss always make for the best burger, Lawrence? Now, it's a burger question, and people that want to know Lawrence Barretto need to know why I've asked you about burgers. Um, okay, so if you, if you happen to meet me at a Grand Prix, uh, Burgers are probably going to be high up the topic of conversation. Um, I probably bored people within the paddock up and down uh, with my chatter about burgers. But I'm on the search for the world's best burger. Um, it helps that my job allows me to travel around the world. Um, and so I've been fortunate enough to eat around 150, 160 different burgers. So that's different burger establishments or restaurants that sell a burger on their menu. Um, and I'm aiming to put a book together um, and hoping that um i can get it done ideally before the season starts i'm trying to use this time uh, sensibly should we say how about that for a plug um but th- this is the weird world <laughs> we do work in we're not all robots who have encyclopedic knowledge about the sport and its history i mean we have pretty good geeky knowledge um but there's other things yeah, and other interests outside of formula one that people like and uh, lawrence's is strange shoes and burgers so I keep pushing for him to put Gearhard Burger on the front cover of this book, and he keeps denying it. I think subtly, um, our, our one listener still remaining, I keep referencing you, I'm trying to engage with you here. Um, what do you think? If it was, it was Gearhard Burger holding a burger, so the focus of the photo was the burger, um, and it's just subtle that if you look closely and, and know who he is, you'd realise it's Gearhard Burger. I thought that'd be great, the crossover between F1. And, but really, the focus is, is still the burger in the photo for the front cover. Um, Lawrence really wants to jump in here and, and tell me why that's a bad idea. Go on. So, so I, I think for anyone who knows Formula One, um, Gearhard Burger would be great because I get it. The play on words made it very good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but then what about the people who don't know Formula One and don't know who Gearhard Burger is? And then it's just this guy eating the burger on the front of a book. That's not going to entice them to buy the book, is it? But that's why the focus is on the burger part of the picture, as in the, the yeah. food. And that's front and centre and in focus. And that, you, know, you make it clear it's a burger book with a nice-looking burger. It just happens to be okay. the person holding it is Gerhard Burger. And enough needs to be known or be visible that people can see it's him. Okay, I'll tell you what. You mock this up for me on Photoshop, and we'll see if it works. And if I think it works, I will consider it for the cover there you go that's the best i can do to, to be fair from a personal <laughs> point of view my my work situation is slowly quieting down it's been cr- it was actually been surprisingly busy up to now but um now today's good friday um and this weekend seems to be like the point where i think from next week it's going to be much quieter so i might have time to do that but i'm terrible at photoshop i'll have to get some some lessons in but yeah i, I might i might do that 
anyway, we'll get back to Formula One again because I don't know if anyone's left, but if anyone is, they'll want to hear about it. Um, and it's another question, though, so. a bit about the calendar. It was the idea of midweek races, <laughs> which we've had on a group chat that we have set up, uh, has come in, uh, saying that maybe you could do a triple header, but within two weeks still by having a midweek race. Do you think that's possible? I don't know whether that would just be more stressful on everyone involved. Um, just in terms of logistically trying to get them from one to the second to the third. I don't know whether the pressure that that would put on people is worse than just having them away for three weekends in a row. Um, I guess we've got to, we've just got to balance it really. I, my preference based on what I think people in Formula 1 would say is they would prefer it to be a little bit more spread out because um, especially if we're going to have to do 19 races, we need to get to the end of the 19 races in one piece. And I think uh, trying to squeeze in the midweek, Break. I don't quite know how it would work, because I don't think it could work Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday. I think that would be too close. So I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't, I just can't see how it can work, to be honest. If, if a Grand Prix worked on the basis that, like, you know, Formula E, they do all their racing in one day. So if Formula One did that and it wasn't spread over three days, then possibly. But the way that our weekend is structured, I just can't see it working. Even compressing it into two days, it would be tight, I think. So I've just had half a thought while sat here listening to you and I'm going to explain it for the first time now and it might be completely wrong as I do so, but yeah, this isn't live, but I still won't edit it. What about if it was done? So you had two midweeks and two weekends. So you got four races out of a three week run. So you did something like Sunday, Wednesday, then a full week. Obviously you'd have to logistically, we're talking probably European rounds. They're fairly close together. Sunday, Wednesday, full week, Wednesday, Sunday. So then you'd have gone three weekends. The middle weekend is off, but you've got a pair of tight back-to-backs that are utilising midweeks. Yeah, and that way you could do it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, all right, you've solved it. You've saved F1, Midlands. There we go, and no one's (laughs) left listening to hear it. Um, But well done. Um, But in all seriousness, no, that could work because it's going to be tight. That's going to, that move from race one to race two is going to be tough and the teams operate sometimes different team groups of people to set up motorhomes etc anyway so it could be that you know that happens and they just have to work slightly longer hours and it's going to be hard but that i think that could work and then yeah you save a weekend that way which is another week home with their family so maybe they'll go for that one if you know if that becomes an option um the other thing is who's going to watch a race during the week though because if the world is back to normal are we risking you know, people missing out on watching a Grand Prix in a, in a, on a weekday. See, this is a fair point because there's been a lot of talk about, well, everyone will just be happy to have jobs back and everyone will be delighted for any action because they've been starved of it. But of course, every set of entertainment, every sport will be doing the same thing. And suddenly you've got everything all at once, which will be a problem, I think. But secondly, I, I'm quite a big believer that as humans, we have short memories. And I'm quite confident that we're going to go back to a form of normal that's very similar to how the world was before this um, pandemic at some stage because that's just we fell into that for a reason and it was convenient and it was comfortable and people understood how it worked and we've got infrastructures in place and it's just gonna be very hard to have huge changes to the way the world is and people very quickly will start complaining that either there are too many races or they're too regular or they're at strange times for them uh, be that fans or even um, the likes of you and I who work in the sport so I don't think the uh, the feeling right now, as everyone is going a bit stir crazy, stuck at home, will last that long once you get started. And if everyone is put through 
five consecutive races in a row, they'd probably sign up for it right now. But after race two, they'd suddenly go, oh, either working in it, they'd be like, I'm exhausted, I need a break, this is crazy. Or fans would probably go, oh, you know, I'm, I'm next weekend, I need to go and see some friends that I haven't managed to see for six months because of everything that's been going on. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to watch it, that sort of thing. So, uh, that what we have become very aware of is there is life outside F1. Um, but hopefully we can get back to racing quickly enough that we can offer some escapism for for people whose lives do revolve around it because um, it is damn good fun when we get to. So that's the target. Um, to be honest, mate, I think, I think we're pretty much done here. I'm yeah. going to wrap it up with you. I've, I've seen that you're getting low on your whiskey sour. Um, I, I do have one other question that came in, but it was, it was also about your shoes. It's Philip Horton wants to know what your favorite pair of shoes are. So maybe, maybe we'll sign off with that hard hitting question. What is your favorite pair of shoes? Well, firstly, I'm really glad that we got to talk about Formula One so that hopefully you will retain that one listener for the podcast three because I, do, I wouldn't want to lose all of your listeners and then you have no one left for that final one. And it's hopefully they thought, what we... <laughs> sorry, your podcaster isn't a podcast. Podcast, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, so I hope you've still got some listeners. Uh, what is My favourite pair of shoes is my yellow ones, but um, the, Debbie, the 2020 spec ones, which I showed you at the beginning of the show, Med, and, and hopefully... And we'll put you'll show people on social media maybe. Um <laughs> are my favourite pairs of shoes. Okay. Well, for again that the single listener left. Oh no, they've gone. Never mind. Um but people can look out on the grid or at races when we finally get going again. If you see this hugely bright yellow luminous pair of shoes, then you know exactly who Lawrence Barreto is, uh, if you didn't already. And I did have one other question, actually. It's just come back to me. So it's not quite the end. Yeah. You shouldn't have tuned out. And it will finish on F1 mode. <laughs> yes. About the circuit in the Algarve getting grade one FIA oh, yes. status and caused mm-hmm. quite a ruckus. Do you reckon we could go racing in Portugal? I think that a lot of people say that we can't, but I don't see why we can't. That was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) That was really bad. So, um, yeah, I tweeted about that the other day, and I don't think I've had that much interaction on a tweet for years. People are pretty excited about going back there. The circuit is mega. Like, it's a mega venue. Um, The area surrounding it, Portimao, is really nice. Um, Portugal's a great country. I would love to see Formula One go back there. Um, and I get that you need money to host a Grand Prix. Um, you need to pay the race fees and you need to be able to put it on and you ideally need backing either from a, uh, a big company or a government. Um, and I know it's going to be difficult, but they're really keen. Uh, and whether or not they'll be able to pull it off, I don't know. And how soon, I don't know. So, you know, talk of it coming back this year, that's very unlikely. But I don't see why they can come back in the future. Uh, it's a mega circuit. It, it is cool, um, and I, as a journalist, it'd be wrong if I didn't ask this. But what's your uh, what's your heritage? Oh, no. So <laughs> I I do have some Portuguese blood. So yeah. I guess it's not shock. It's not shocking that I want to go back to Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just undermined everything I've just said, Medes, by flagging that. That's the whole point of my role at this podcast. That's not a podcast podcast. No, I want to agree, actually. Um, I think it'd be great to go back there. I completely agree with you with the uh, issues that still face it in terms of funding. But it would be a, a great venue for Grand Prix, at least to go and attend it, um, be it working or as a fan. Um, you know, Think of a, a European good weather race. Uh, that's one of the upsides. I know the French Grand Prix had its 
problems with traffic and things like that. But south of France is a great place to head down to for a Grand Prix. Take away travelling in and out, which was a lot better in the second year anyway. But take that away from it. To go and watch a Formula 1 race and then in the evenings be on the um, the Cote d'Azur just having you know dinner by the sea. I mean, it's a great location. So I think, yeah, um, Algarve would be a, another mega addition. So I, I'm, I was excited to see that, but I, I sort of fanned the flames a bit. I just gave it a good retweet and let everyone else go, oh, are we going racing there? Um, as if we haven't got enough races to try and fit in this year already. But I, I'm with you. I, I, in a sense, don't see why not. If someone, if someone has the money to put up, then mm-hmm. clearly is ready. And um, as you say, and clearly you know a bit more than me, but if, if they're keen, then I'm sure those discussions will be had at some stage. And if they're not, I'm sure you can put them in touch because <laughs> you have the boss now. I, yes, true. Um, <laughs> I suppose I could put them in touch. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think just picking up quickly on that, I think that when people pick um, a Grand Prix that they want to go to, it's not just about whether it's an exciting race. You know, they, they pick it because they want to make a holiday of it. So I do think that there's a lot to be said about the location, the venue, the weather, uh, what there is to do in and around there. So I think that often... That's why I think Ricard, even though it hasn't had the best races, it's still a great event. And I would still recommend people go, go to a race there because they'll have a great time. They'll have a great weekend. Yeah, I, I totally agree, actually. Um, I always really enjoy it. So uh, hopefully we get to go racing there. As it stands, that is the first race on the calendar. So um, I'm going to keep hoping that we end up there for now until we hear any differently. So uh, if I don't see you again, Lawrence Barreto, because... Uh, well, hang on. Fig- Where do you think fig- I'm going to go? Fig- well, f- figures might suggest that I don't want to call you again for one of these. So um, oh, I see. the next time I yeah. see you might well be uh, at the French Grand Prix or whatever happens after that. Uh, but hopefully it's not that long. Uh, hope- one, because it means people were listening and they might want to hear you back. Uh, but two, because we just want to get back to normal. So fingers crossed we'll do that. Anyway, thank you very much for your time. Uh, Thanks for having I'd me. Say- I'd say thank you very much for your tips on how to make a whiskey sour. I don't think I did a very good job, uh, but I made two. So when I get off this call, I'll find out if the second one was um, drunk or not by someone, if it was uh, drinkable. Uh, that's definitely a word. But mine is only half half empty because it wasn't great. But I, I appreciate you bringing the class level up um, from last week's beer with Nate Saunders. So nice touch and mine, to be fair just to clarify for the listeners if there's anyone left uh, mine was delicious so i'd like to say that it was probably more that Meadows didn't follow the recipe that i gave him more so than uh, my recipe was a failure um it, my recipe came from a, my cousin who's a mixologist so i'd be disappointed if it was to the recipe Meadows. Uh, admittedly as well i saw on your uh, social media channels a, a picture of it and it looked very good from last week or the week before so when you told me to make this i was like that sounds great uh didn't have a proper cocktail shaker either but anyway uh, okay. I, I digress um people Sorry. Always yes. talking about other things beforehand and now <laughs> talking about why i'm rubbish at making cocktails is not why anyone potentially listened uh but thank you very much for anyone who did listen thank you very much to lawrence for joining uh time to plug everything read racer.com or motorsport magazine where my stuff's appearing read formula1.com where lawrence barretto's stuff is appearing um he's on social media at lauro barretto where you can see pictures of wacky shoes and cocktails uh and most importantly hope everyone and formula one related stuff every now and then um but yeah, some, some good stuff on there, to be fair, as well. Um, but yes, most importantly, I hope everyone who has listened stays well, stay safe, uh, and stay at home 
uh, for now. And I can't wait until I do one of these and the sign off is go outside, but it's not there yet. So uh, thank you very much for listening and hopefully speak to you again soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.